Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. Welcome to Four Down Territory. As Stink and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Slareth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. Hey, it's one thing if uh, you think I'm whining or complaining about the NBA All-Star Weekend and the All-Star Game. How about a certain guy named Michael Malone who was there to witness it all firsthand? I don't know if you can fix it. You know, I mean, I give Joel and B, Kyrie Irving. Those guys were like competing. Joel was imploring some of the guys to play harder, to try to get some defense in. But um, no one got hurt. They put on a show for the fans. But that that is a tough game to sit through. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Hey, I. Whatever you may want to say about Michael Malone. The guy is a basketball junkie. Uh-huh. He's a basketball lifer. The game matters to him. Right. And what he said he saw on Sunday night was an absolute embarrassment. So. And he also said that he didn't know that there's any way to fix it. I mean, the guys just aren't like. They, they don't play. They're not expected to play hard. They don't play hard. They don't try hard. They don't, they don't play any defense. It's a glorified layup line. At, like, at what point is that even, is there any entertainment at all involved in that? There is none. And I, I would hope that it, all these All-Star games, save for one, we've got one All-Star game every calendar year that's worth watching. That's the baseball All-Star game. At the end of the day, what's the baseball All-Star game? It's still the guy on the mound throwing 95. It's still the guy at the plate trying to get a hit. It's the guy in at shortstop making the play when the ball gets hit to him. It's still the game. Right. right? Yeah. At least when you watch the baseball all-star game, it's the game. Football, hockey, basketball, nothing even close. Good news is, hey, we can stop talking about it until next February when the circus comes back to town again. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with it again for a while. Yeah, it's pathetic. It is second down. Good weekend for the Avs on the ice. As they were able to uh, get a win on Saturday in St. Louis and then follow it up with a Sunday matinee winner against the Oil. Yeah, first of all, a really good job by Counts to win the draw. It's really important in the in the OT and and uh, a little scissor with Taser. And I think Taser ran a little pick on Nurse there, so gave me a little bit a uh, little bit more room. And, and uh, I don't know, he kind of hooked me, hooked me so kind of. Tempo maybe thought I was shooting it, and then it just he was out of it after. So, so I was glad to help the team win. Miko Rantanen, who's been the uh, team's MVP this year, got the game winner. Now, good good weekend on the ice for the Avs, Mark. But off the ice, we've been talking all season long. How do you replace Nazem Kadri as that second line center? And the idea has been, you know, you give a JT Comfer, you give an Alex Newhook a chance to see what they can do, but. In the back of your mind, the Avs with Chris McFarlane and Joe Sack are going to be aggressive come trade deadline. But already some of the candidates that we, we were talking about all season long, Bo, Hor- uh, Bo Horvat, um, Jonathan Taves, Ryan O'Reilly, who was my 
number one choice. O'Reilly got traded to Toronto. The pool is drying up. Are you confident that they're going to be able to get a guy by the trade deadline to replace Nazem Kadri, or are they going to have to do it all in-house? I don't know that they're going to get it. I I think they'll still be able to make a trade, but I don't know they're going to get somebody that's going to replace kind of the production that Naz gave you. I don't know that that's going to happen, but then, you know, when you start to think, okay, at some point, they've been very, very careful with Gabe Landeskog. At some point, you'll get him back. At some point, if you, like, have a couple of young guys that continue to progress, and then you find somebody else that, that gives you those minutes or gives you, you know, can can be on that second line or can be in that mix, then I think you'll be okay. Listen, there. There's more than just three guys that you could trade for, and, and those are the three big ones that were out there that everybody knew would uh, would probably be available. That, that listen, there, there may be some teams that are falling out of contention that mm-hmm. that may decide, hey, it's time to start trading off. So I'm not saying it it can't be done, but this, this is all about winning another Stanley Cup. With the roster they have right now, I have no doubt they can get to the Stanley Cup Finals. But to win the Stanley Cup. I think they have to go out and add. And and add beyond just getting Gabe Landeskog back. Third down. By the way, he was uh, skating yesterday. Good yeah. sign. We'll see what happens as that uh, moves along. Sean Payton still looking to put together his uh, coaching staff. Met with both Rex Ryan and Vance Joseph this weekend for the defensive coordinator position. We'll have Mike Kliss join us here in about uh, eight minutes to give us uh, more details. But uh, you still believe it'll be Rex. I think. I mean, I I believe that that's where they want to go. Also, listen. I mean, I, I've sat down in a meeting with Desai, and was very impressed with him back when he was the D coordinator of Chicago. So very impressed with him. I mean, just a really smart, top notch intelligence guy. So always been enthralled with him. I think he was working with Seattle this year, correct? So. Um, that is interesting, but yeah, if Rex Ryan, if they can make that deal, if this is the perfect situation for Rex and they can make a, the money work, I'd love to see Rex Ryan here. I loved, I mean, I love the aggressiveness. One thing about Rex, I mean, you're gonna, you may not win every game, but your <laughs> opponent's coming out with a bloody nose. I, I promise you that. I love it. Sign me I up. I love that part about Rex. Sign me up. One, two, three. Fourth down. Oh, Paxton. Poor Paxton Lynch. It started, well, did it even start good in his debut for the Orlando Guardians of the XFL? Lynch flushed, directing traffic to Latimer. Picked off. Sean Davis with the interception in the end zone. No, they're saying catch. They're saying touchdown. Wow. Nothing's ever easy with Paxton, is it? no. Can't be. What a throw! Dropped it right in the bucket. Touchdown! No, it's interception. Wait! Upon further review, it's a touchdown. Who knew Lattimore was still kicking Cody around? Cody Lattimore still bouncing around. Yet Paxton Lynch, a first round pick, Cody Lattimore, a second round pick. Huge. Gosh. What was, poor, what was, what was Lattimore drafted? Like 15? Latimer was a second-round pick. I know, but was he... Oh, where in the second round? No, like, was he in the 2015, 2016? Oh. Well, 
Yeah, he was drafted while Peyton while Peyton was here. Okay. Manning. Gosh, so many Peytons around here. Yeah, this is the land of Peyton. 2014. Yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. And then Lynch, Paxton Lynch was 2017, right? No. No, Paxton was um, 2016. 2016. Gosh. <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe it's been that long. <laughs> Which is it's why, been 84 years. Which is why... Why, why why, do you think that I was just begging for them to get a big boy coach, an adult? Right. Somebody who's been there, done that, right? Thank God they got Sean Payton. You know, we could have gone with somebody new like Jonathan Gannon going. You haven't seen. you got to uh, look at. Look okay, at I gotta by look what's it. trending at 730, you have to have looked at the video. Okay. Just, just do that. All right. I GT, will do that. GTS during okay. the break. Will you please? All right. All right. That is uh, what's going on in a four down territory. Mike Kliss. Ah, Mike Mike was able to navigate his way through the whole head coaching search that had many twists and turns. How much does this D.C. search remind him of that? And how does he see it finishing out? That's next. When the day is done, the game is over, and you need a break from all the stress. Relax in your tub or shower from Bathfitter. Bathfitter will fit your budget with a price match guarantee. No money down, no payments for up to five years. Get the ball rolling. Visit bathfitter.com today. Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Our 9 News Bronco insider Mike Kliss joins us on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Michael, good morning. What's going on, guys? You know, we're just trying to figure out who the uh, next defense coordinator is, you know, all that kind of stuff. Rex Ryan says this would be the yeah. – or, or, no, what did Rex Ryan say? He, he he has to it has to be the perfect, perfect job, right? Is this the perfect job? Is Rex Ryan going to be our next defensive coordinator? You know, if they pay him what he wants, I'm I'm sure it, it could be. Um, based on his commentary on ESPN this year on Russell Wilson, I'm not. You know, I'm sure he's got concerns of, about the uh, the quarterback. Um. So, but he obviously, uh, you know, obviously he wants it. I think he. Uh, it's between him and Vance Joseph, the way it appears. Uh, Sean Payton, uh, he may circle back with some of the candidates that he uh, that he interviewed previously just to kind of, you know, uh, make sure about things and, and do his due diligence. He's being very deliberate, obviously. But with the Combine Monday, I would expect him to have this decision made in the next uh, day or two. And, um, you know, all indications are it's between Vance Joseph and Rex Ryan. You know, with Rex, uh, from Sean Payton's point of view, you have to be, you know, a little concerned about the six years out. Not only because of, you know, maybe the evolution of the NFL offensive game and, and defensive game. And, you know, I think Rex Ryan would be fine there. But, you know, the whole grind of uh, of coaching, you know, it's a, it's a 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. job uh, during the season and you know as Rex after being in an NFL studio and uh, you know at ESPN for the last six years is he at 60 years old ready to get back in it um but uh then again with the Chiefs you know uh I, I think there's an intimidation factor that uh could play into why Rex Ryan is such a strong candidate this team needs something to shake up the Chiefs' uh, stranglehold on the AFC West. Why do you think Rex has sat out this long? 
You know, I had heard um, he tried to get back in here and there. And, again, that comment um, that was reported by uh, Adam Schefter on uh, it have to be the, the right situation for him to leave the, the, e, the ESPN panel job. Um, you know, I, I did hear he was on uh, Mike Munchak's list, had Mike Munchak. Uh, got the job with the Broncos back in 2019, and maybe behind the scenes there has been things like that, and it just hasn't worked out for him. You know, the he's hitched up to the wrong uh, head coaching candidate wagon in in the last couple of years, and you know he was he he was handsomely paid um, as head coach for a while there with the Jets and the Bills. So um, you don't you don't get back in. For the a million, two million dollar uh, a year grind that uh, defensive coordinators' uh, positions demand, um, you know, unless you feel real good about it. Let me ask you about uh, Vance Joseph. Why has he emerged as a uh, leading candidate here in Denver? No experience and relatively successful experience. He's now been a he's been a coordinator for five years, a head coach for two years. Um, that didn't quite work out. Although time has, I, th- I think time has shown it. It wasn't necessarily the head coach that was the Broncos' problems the, the last uh, six, seven years. And so, um, you know, he's Vance as a defensive coordinator. He has a strong presence about him. Uh, he's available because of the Jonathan Gannon. That's that's the other thing. You have an experienced guy. Uh, who knows what he's doing, knows how to call defenses, knows how to bring pressure, um, is available after Jonathan Gannon, the defensive guy, became head coach of the Cardinals. So you also could get him for relatively cheap. Um, you know, with the offset, he got paid. He, he's still got two years of decent money with Arizona, so the the Broncos could get him for, you know, maybe a, a million a year. Um, he's a He's a... A pretty good candidate to, to be available this late into the uh, head co- into the defensive coordinator cycle. You began by talking about you know if, if if the money's right for for Rex is is this now then an ownership issue as, as to what they want to pay Rex Ryan is, is it this not a case of Sean Payton you know being able to hand out blank checks or, or what. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that would work. You'd have to go through, uh, you know, there's market value and things like this. Uh, coordinators are now making about $4 million. And uh, for, you know, the, the, the top guys, you know, I, I, that's the rumor that the Vic Fangio's getting with Miami. I think, uh, you know, head coaches are making five, five and a half. So they're, they're getting right up there. And, um, and so would Rex Ryan want that much money or, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that or, you know, what is the market for a defensive coordinator who hasn't called plays, by the way, since 2008, from what I understand, when he was with the Jets head coach, while it was obvious that was his defense, um, I think someone else actually called the plays on game days. And um, so Rex, uh, you know, hasn't really called plays since 2008. It, does he deserve the top of the line three to four million that defensive coordinators are now getting, or is he uh, you know closer to to two and a half? So that's 
you know, I don't think it's definitely an, uh, it's necessarily an ownership uh, issue. It'd be a market issue. Okay. But you think it'll be, it'll definitely, <laughs> whoever the defensive coordinator is, you definitely think it'll happen in the next few days with the combine coming up next week. Yeah, you have to because you also, the defensive coordinator also has to pick his, uh, you know, position coaches behind them. You know, they want Christian Parker, the DB coach, and Marcus Dixon, the D-line coach, to stick around. You still have to uh, get your your linebacker coaches in order and your assistant to each position in order, and they have to be in place ready to hit the ground for when the combine begins um, Monday, Tuesday of next week. Mike, is there any part of you that, that looks at, at this and, and it's an indictment against Sean Payton that, you know, hey, if, if you were going to be – prepared and ready to go and come back into coaching this off season that you'd have everything sort of ready to roll a little quicker and, and more efficiently than this process has played out. Yeah, it's been a little more deliberate than I, uh, than I thought, but um, he's, he's, I mean, Sean Payton could have had his coaching staff in place by now. Um, he's decided to wait and think about it longer. You know, he, uh, both Vance Joseph and Rex Ryan were in Friday and Saturday, respectively, and no offer was made because Sean wanted to think about it. You know, it, it, you know, had he been more and a little more impulsive, he, uh, he would have had those guys wrapped up and he would have had his whole coaching staff wrapped up. I think he will have it done, the whole staff done by, uh, by the weekend. And, uh, that's, really by his choice. He has said that in 2006, when he first got the job with the Saints, he made some mistakes going after who he thought was the guy he had to have. And it turned out to be uh, not right, not a good fit, he realized after a year or two. So he's purposely being deliberate here. We'll see if that's, uh, you know, the right move or not. All right. Hey, Michael, we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Go get him, guys. All right. Mike Cliff. Mike Kliss, our 9 News Bronco Insider on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Coming up, some great audio from uh, All-Star Weekend in the NBA as uh, Charles Barkley and Stephen A. Smith take their shots at NBA players and Salt Lake City. That plus what is in the water in Philadelphia that leads to these bizarre introductory press conferences for coaches. Jonathan Gannon, step right up. That's next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. Well, a lot of uh, old school basketball people not happy with the way that All-Star Weekend went down. Glorified layup line is what uh, it was often described as. Michael Malone was the coach of uh, one of the teams, and he said it was the worst basketball game he'd ever been a part of. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN ripping. The All-Star Game players. I'm not trying to say that you need to go all out as basketball players for All-Star Weekend because you got the second half of the season to consider even though it's less than the second half of the season because you only got about 23 or 24 games left on the schedule. We don't need to see an All-Star Game taking place where you play harder in summer competition when you're working out than you do at the All-Star Weekend. If you can go and play in, this, in summer league competition, I don't mean summer league as in an organized league. I'm talking about go to the gym and watch these guys work out 
in the summertime, in the off season, okay? They're working out in the off season, and we all know they're not going all out, but they play harder than what you saw last night. Absolutely. Absolutely. You telling me you could you you can't have a game? You can have a game. Doesn't have to be played at a finals like intensity, but you can you can play a basketball game. Sure. Why are these guys afraid to play a basketball game? Why? I they they just don't want to play. They just want they want the they want the accolade, they want the all-star accolade, they want all that, but they don't want to be there. Well, I think they want to be there. I think they they love the idea of being able to get I together, mean, hang out, party, sure, have okay. a good time, which I'm fine with. They don't want to be at that game. They don't want to play that game. So NBA players don't want to play a game. NFL players don't want to play a game. Correct. NHL players don't want to play a game. Yes. And let's just end the charade. Can we? Just end yeah. it. Oh, I'm with you. Because because the, the the fans pay a lot of money for these things, and you, you saw the reaction. You could see the reaction mm-hmm. Saturday night during the skills competition, the dunks, everything like that. The, the crowd wasn't really into it. The crowd was just kind of, it was, it was a flat atmosphere. Because after a while, once the... The bells and the whistles and the uh, light show and everything goes on and then the game starts and it becomes just a, a dunk fest. After a while, as a, as a fan, you just kind of sit there going, is it? Yeah. I, the other thing is, all right, the three-point contest is, you know, they, they've got like Dane Lillard is like an all-star, like a mm-hmm. great shooter and stuff, but I, the dunk contest, like, the superstars don't want to compete in the dunk contest. Like what's again? Are they afraid of being embarrassed? Like, are they afraid? Of, are they afraid of going out there and missing a it'll, dunk? It'll, and the score people hold up tens instead of fifties. What, what, are they? Are they are worried about being embarrassed? Worried about the, the potential of endorsements. You know, if they don't win, soft. Remember when they used to have that that uh, NFL skills competition, like the NFL's fastest man and stuff like that. That was, you would rather just be the guy that won the 40 of the combine, but you don't want to actually race anybody. Right. Right. I right. Mean, I don't know. The whole thing is, the whole thing is, we don't want to compete. Right. That's what it comes down to. The ultimate, the ultimate competitors don't want to compete. Yep. Okay. Soft. Perfect. Said it perfectly. Uh, it was funny to hear Charles Barkley and um, Shaquille O'Neal talk about uh, Salt Lake City. As uh, let's face it, uh, Salt Lake City, uh, long, long regarded as uh, maybe the most unpopular stop on the NBA tour. Mm. I've been struggling this week, and I ain't got no money. <laughs> <laughs> These people going to heaven up this way ain't nothing to do with this boring ass city. Now it's boring. Boring ain't nothing to do with it. It's great. You just it's a great city. It's no, great. you just hey, like, oh, ladies, hey, it's I, great. I, I, it's great. It's a great city, but ain't nothing to do here. These people all going to heaven. Oh, my God. I never ate so much room service in my life. Can't smoke, can't drink. These people going to heaven. Shaq, I've never eaten so much room service in my life. Lord have mercy. (laughs) Hey, hey, they're just speaking the truth about how uh, the Salt Lake stop is viewed around the uh, NBA travel path. 
Uh, Vic Fangio. Uncle Vic. Getting introduced as the defensive coordinator in Miami. I still have a lot of coaching left in me. It's not like I'm thinking about retirement or anything. Somebody asked, how much longer are you going to do this? I don't know. It might be 10 years if they'll have me here for 10 years. It's just who I am, what I do, what I enjoy doing. I like the competition. I like teaching players. I like to see players improve as individuals. And putting something together is challenging and fulfilling. There you go. I've always thought of Wade Phillips as Exhibit A, but Vic Fangio is my new Exhibit A of there are just some guys who are just, they're just meant to be coordinators. Yeah. And and that's fine. Yep. You can be an outstanding, outstanding coordinator, but it doesn't mean that you should ever be a head coach. Mm. Yeah, Vic is a great coach. Yeah, what does he have to get up once a week to talk to the media maybe as a defense coordinator, if that? You know, he's so boring in the meetings, nobody ever asks for him. You know, from the production crew standpoint, they're like, you want to talk to Vic? No, let's just talk to a couple defensive players. I guess, yeah, he's the gym teacher. And that's what he does well, though. He he is right about that. Just coach puts a plan together, loves to put plans together, loves to compete that way. You know, matching wits with offensive coordinators. He loves that. Promise me, though, if you get a Dolphin game next year, you'll ask to talk to him. To the gym teacher. Yeah. That'd be great. Maybe. But maybe not. Yeah. Okay, so first we had Nick Sirianni and his introductory press conference in uh, Philadelphia. Remember that? Systems. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. Now, that worked out well. Yeah. That's worked out very well. Jonathan Gannon. first. Whoops. Jonathan Gannon off the Sirianni tree. Mm Mm-hmm. Got the uh, head job with the Cardinals. Mm Mm-hmm. And making the the viral video rounds is uh, him walking up to a... It's, Cardinal, Kyle, it's Kyler Murray. It's, it's, oh, is it? Yeah. Are you sure it was Murray? Pretty sure. That it's was Murray. Mar- okay. He walks up to Murray. Okay. And then this is what transpired. What's up? Hey! What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. It's Nick Sirianni. Meets Adam Gase. Mm. It's it's it, and and this one is the best because you get the audio and the video. Yeah, like Gase was just the eyes. You had to be watching. Sirianni was the audio. Yeah, Gannon's like the perfect combination of both. Yeah, he had everything. He had it all because he was doing the hands. Yeah. those are shots. We're taking what's shots. Hey, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. Shoo, 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 shoo. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can I can't run. wait to. I can't. Oh, man. I'm going to have to call him. Uh, he was high. You just, you just need to text and just go pew, 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 pew. Laser. Laser beam. Shots. 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 That is what is trending. That's great. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. A lot to uh, get to here as we uh, unwind here in the next uh, segment. Coming up is Sean Payton showing that maybe he doesn't totally have his heart into this job with his lack of preparation, putting together a coaching staff. Can we go there? And Gabe Landeskog is back on the ice, but when can we expect him to be back and be back 100%? That's all coming up next. 
Loosen up those joints and muscles. It's time for your 745 stretch. Here's Schlereth and Evans with the biggest story in Denver sports. A lot going on to uh, discuss. So let's uh, let, let's get to it. Let's bounce around a little bit here. As um, We had Mike Kliss on, and some texters were like, why didn't you push back against Mike when he said that Vance Joseph has been a successful defensive coordinator. Look at his rankings. Okay, let's look at his rankings. So all that really matters to me is points allowed, right? Okay. You know, you could some look at yards and stuff like that. Yeah, yards has been the yards has been the standard forever, but it is really starting to morph into the points has been what people really look at. Okay. So Vance Joseph's record, defensive record when it comes to points allowed as a defensive coordinator, okay? Uh-huh. Miami one year, 18th. Okay. A little bit below average. Uh, first year with the Broncos, 26th, or excuse me, 22nd. Second year with the Broncos, 13th. Okay. Became an above average defense. Yeah. In his second year here. Then he goes to Arizona, first year, 28th in points. Okay. After that, 12th and 11th. And then this past year, which was just Dysfunction with a capital D in Arizona with Kyler Murray, you know, checking right. out and then getting hurt and Cliff Kingsbury, uh, lame duck coach. They were 31st in, in points allowed. But I don't really hold that against Vance because that was a, like you said, that was a, that was a, a cluster, uh, as that well, season went along. You also have to understand to do that in Arizona with that style of offense where that offense is, either scoring quick touchdowns on broken plays or turning it over on three and outs, you're, the amount of defense you have to play when you're playing with Cliff Kingsbury as your head coach, um, that's a tall order. So I, I would I would look at that Arizona run as actually a couple seasons there where, where they were really good. Now, they're a very talented. They got, they've got talent. Don't, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. They've got some talent. But... Yeah, really hard, not making excuses, but really hard to coach defense when you refuse to run the ball, you don't care about running the ball, you're a spread offense, and you're going to chip Kelly your way down the football field. So I'll give him I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. So his, in, in the brief time he was here with the Broncos, his defense got better mm-hmm. from when he started. In the time he was with Arizona... His defense has got better from when he started up until this past year, which right. we've already explained what happened there the last year. Yeah, they were a mess, too. So he's, he's, he's not my first choice, but I'd be okay with, with Vance Joseph. I, I, I want Rex. Mm-hmm. But if you, if, you, if you gave me Vance Joseph, I'd, I think that we overrate the the impact of the of the defensive coordinator, like I had Orlando was sitting in here for a couple of days uh, while you were off, uh, you know, watching baseball in the Bayou, and Orlando made a good point. I thought, I mean, tell tell me if he's wrong that defense hasn't really changed that much over the years. It's certainly not as complex. It it's not there's not as much of an emphasis on new things being done and being created in defense as you as compared to offense. Yes, no? 
Um, that's why you see so many defensive guys who are, they've been around forever. Mm-hmm. And that they continue to get jobs, they continue to move around, they've been in the league for 30, 40 years, and they continue to be very good at what they do. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would venture to guess that neither side has changed that much. Like, I know we all like to think that offense has become very innovative. Has it? I think both sides of the football were the, I don't want to call it innovation. I want to call it, um, I want to call it the difference in philosophy. So, based upon the rules, the league has become far more, have had, had far more of a offensive collegiate influence and running quarterback aspect to it. So that part has certainly changed the way offenses operate. But overall from defense, you know, you've really gone from base defenses with three, you know, three linebacker type things to your base is now nickel and even dime. So, but, you know, you still run the same coverages and you still run the same, it's the same stuff essentially. So, but like my thing is offense really hasn't changed that much either. In in my opinion, the quarterback run has certainly changed the way we view offense in today's game. But it's it's not as it's not as different as as John Harbaugh once said to me just a year or two ago, there hasn't been a new passing concept installed in this league in 30 years. Not one. It's the same crap we've been running for 30 years, you know, I mean now, so why the push to get younger and more creative? And because stupid, why doesn't that happen on the defensive side? Well, I think because I think because on the offensive side, there's a lot of idiots <laughs> that own football teams <laughs> that think young people communicate better with young people. It's like a different form of Viagra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if we get young, then they'll be able to talk all the young stuff with the youngsters. And boy, they're really going to connect. Patrick about that's not important on defense. Well, I think it's such an offensive-driven league that let's face it, you know, offensive coaches are the coaches that usually get if there are five coaching slots available, four of them are going to an offensive coach, and one will go to a defense on average, right? About 20% of the head coaching vacancies will be filled with defensive coaches. Correct. Yeah. One in five. Yeah. About. Yeah. Uh, On the text line, Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Geez, Evan, you're really blowing a lot of kisses at Vance Joseph. Uh, So, Ijero Ivero is the guy that we were not supposed to let go at any cost, right? Right. Averro's defense was ranked 14th this year in points. So Vance has had defenses 13th, 12th, 11th. Averro's was 14th. And the same arguments you can make for Averro, oh, he didn't have a quarterback. Oh, he had a bad offense. Well, or he didn't have good coaching. You could say we've already highlighted the issues that uh, Vance has Vance didn't Vance hasn't had a quarterback. The the one thing that would don't give me Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is vastly overrated. The one thing that scares me a little bit about Vance, um, and there are several, there are several things, but the thing that would scare me a little bit about Vance is, and again, 
it's hard because of the offense that you're operating, right? The, the offense. The one thing is the number of explosive. I don't know where he ranks. His defensive rank is on the number of explosive plays given up. But every time I have an Arizona game and I've got to watch their defense, um, I'm always kind of taken aback by how many explosive plays they give up, both in the run game and the pass game. And that always that always concerns me a little bit. Now, some of that is because you're going to be aggressive, right? So you'd rather give up a 60-yard touchdown pass or you'd rather give up a 60-yard drive at five yards a clip like Vic Fangio. Like it, I, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, th- those numbers, um, I'm not – I'm not like championing Vance Joseph by any means. I'd much rather have Rex, mm-hmm. and I've told you I'd probably go Sean Desai. But with that said, you know, I, I don't think Vance is altogether your worst choice either. And then there will also be the advantage of having an offensive-minded coach that understands the, the nature of complementary defense, and he's going to be like, this is what I want in this situation. A couple other things to get to. Uh, I know that we love Nikola Jokic around here because he is the uh, sort of the antithesis of the look at me, mm-hmm. build my brand type modern athlete, right? right. There's just this, there's this well-earned perception that, hey, this is a guy that's just does his job, plays at a high level, doesn't care about stats. And then heads off to Serbia to be with his horses during the offseason. Right. We did see evidence this weekend the guy has ego. See, I I might push back on you on that because I was thinking about it. Look at this. the video. Okay. First of all, this this whole desperate attempt by the NBA to try to enliven the all-star game to have Giannis and LeBron pick the teams, it was it was back to the schoolyard days where you're you're wondering, oh God, I'm gonna be the last guy picked. Hmm. I know you were never last. Right, I didn't have to worry about. You that. never had to worry about that. Yeah, I never had to worry about it. At least when it was kick. No, kickball. I was a stud. I was a well, kickball. You do, have those, you do have those thick mom legs. <laughs> yeah. The kids, the kids are like, this kid's got to be able to kick it far. <laughs> Look at the ass on that kid. Huge. <laughs> You ain't lying. Yeah. You ain't lying. Yeah. You got you got the you got the fifth grade scouting report yeah, on me right, nailed right. down. Yeah. Down pack. But Jokic was down to the last two guys. Mm-hmm. And he got up before LeBron even made his pick. Draymond Green said Jokic was uh LeBron was gonna take uh Markin in because he wanted to, you know, get the home crowd on his side. Jokic was gonna be the last guy picked. Jokic didn't want to be the last guy picked. He knew he was. It was going to be. It was looking like he was going to be the last guy picked, and he did not want that. Look, it's no. It's not a big deal, but it just goes to show he is. Hit? He is aware of his uh, what's being said about him. But do you think that's him? And he didn't want to have the embarrassment. He didn't want the Nick Wrights of the world, who already are looking right. for any example they can to to trash him. He did not want the embarrassment. And it would have been embarrassing. It, it would have been. If, if Do you think that's Jokic him poking fun at himself, guy? though? Do you think there's a part of him just poking fun at himself? No, I don't think he wanted to be the last guy taken. And so he forced LeBron's hand. There's part of me that just feels like he's poking fun at himself. Like, I don't know. Uh, 
Come on. You, do, you I, I don't care. No, you don't. You don't want to be. You don't want to be the last guy taken. And I'll take what's his head. I'll take that guy. Big gangly, seven foot wide dude. I'll take him. Because you know how it, it would, the whole vibe in the building would be, and the last guy to go is Nikola yeah. Jokic. Your two-time MVP, soon to be third-time MVP, is the last guy picked. Yeah. There is a certain it amount. Been a ba- it would have been a bad look. It would have been a bad look. That doesn't change the fact that he's still the best player in the NBA and he's going to win a third straight. But I, I think if there was one thing that was crystal clear about this All-Star weekend, the NBA world right. wants nothing to do with by, by the way, and the Nuggets. Hey, by the way, we got a texture that said Malone talked about it and said Joker, the Joker didn't realize that uh, Markinen was still on the stage. I don't believe it. Sorry. It's Markinen, it. right? Yeah, Laurie Mark- Markinen. I don't Is believe he- it. I don't believe no. I, where's I, he from? He plays for Sol, He plays for the Jazz. I know, but where's he from originally? Oh, he played. Uh, where did he play college ball? Arizona, I think. He's like an Ennin. He Markinen. is Markinen. Yes, yes. He's, Maybe the Avs should trade for him as their right. second line center. I'm just looking at that name, going, wait a minute, Finland. There you go. He's an Ennin. He's Finnish. He's an Ennin. You know, he grew up playing hockey. Then oh, he just yeah. got too, he just tall, got too tall and gangly. Yeah. So he switched to basketball. Now, Jokic, after the game, said he wouldn't draft himself because he's he's not made for the game. He's been the first one to admit the All-Star game is not for guys like him. But guys like him, like as in great shooters that have unbelievable ball skills and, and awareness, court awareness, but can't dunk <laughs> the layup line. I know it's being spun that he thought he was the last guy on the stage and that he just walked up. I, If you want to give, it's not a huge deal, but I think he, in this case he absolutely understood what was happening. He did not want to be the last guy picked. Because he knows. He knows. He knows what's said about him. He's not dumb. He's a very smart guy. He knows what's, what's said out there about him. And why have even more fuel added to the argument that, you're not deserving mm-hmm. of being the MVP again. Right. I don't know. I, it's not the, It's not the biggest thing, but I think he was absolutely aware of it and did not want to be like, because it would have been, it would have been a big deal. The media would have made a big deal of it. Wow. The, the reigning MVP, two time, was the last guy taken by his peers. By the way, I did hear this and I wanted your opinion on this because I heard this as I was driving in this morning, ESPN Radio, talking about the fact that we make such a big deal of the postseason, right? Oh, can you give the Joker three-time MVP? He's never won a championship. The championship, we make so much about championships, and everything is about, well, what's what's happened? Is, is LeBron James's championship legacy tarnished because of this could be the second year in a row with the Lakers that he hasn't gone to the playoffs. And, oh, yeah, they did win a NBA championship, but it was in the bubble. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. If so much is made in champion, about championships, then why do we care if guys sit out and and basically rest during the regular a game in February? Who cares? 
if guys sit out and load manage themselves. If it's all about championships and we put it all about the playoffs and the regular season doesn't really matter, then why should it matter to the players? Simple answer to that. When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit bathfitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits.